Welcome to The Lens with me, Ollie Barrett. My guests today are Jeremy Darrock and Dara Curtin. Dara is Chief of Staff within the UK Experience Centre at PwC and Jeremy is Group CEO of Sky. We'll discuss practical tips on achieving a healthy work-life balance. We'll explore specific campaigns, including UK Black Tech and Sky Ocean Rescue. And we'll hear how more and more future leaders have their very own side hustle. Let's get to the conversation. Dara, Jeremy, welcome. Hi. Morning, hi. How are you doing? Now, I'm very well. Now, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you, if I may. Welcome to The Lens. Um, Two hats you wear, of course, Chief Executive of Sky and Chairman of Business in the Community. More of that anon. And I want to start by winding the clock back and just telling us how you first got started, your first ever job, your first ever foot on the ladder. Uh, My first job actually was um, running a petrol pump, uh, which was fantastic, I have to say. It was um, uh, in my home time in Annick in Northumberland. Uh, I did that uh, when when I was um, school vacation, school holidays. Yep. So uh, it was it was great in the summer, a little bit less good in the winter. And, of course, th- that was the day when actually the, you as an attendant, you actually put the petrol into somebody's car for yes. them. You know, not, none of the self-service today. Yes, not not the first Lens guest who started off on that forecourt. Brilliant. Of course, you see the world go by. Yes. Um, Have life could have led anywhere, a chance to talk to, to anyone. So um, from there, when did the world of business first start uh, to, to resonate, uh, to, to beckon? I, th- I think, uh, you know, as I, as I was leaving school and thinking about the sorts of things I might want to do, and uh, I read economics at university, um, I sort of had this idea of going into into business. Um, I'm very much from a working class background, so getting a professional qualification was important to me. And actually, I joined um, Deloitte and qualified as, the, as an accountant. Um, but then wanted really to get into business. Uh, and I joined the really one of the biggest breaks, I think, in my entire life was I joined Procter & Gamble. Yeah. Uh, in Newcastle and really just had a fantastic 12 years there and it just opened up this whole world to me uh, about business and P&G a very interesting business you know they started selling soap uh, on the Ohio River and when I joined them were in pretty much every country uh, in the world in multiple categories and and a business that was very much driven by doing the right thing by principles uh, a branded business very focused on customers and a lot of what I've used in my later career uh, started there and was formed there. Uh, and some of those seeds about the idea that business as well, of course, of making money, but also that it can make a difference, those seeds starting to be sown at that stage? Or when, when did that start to occur? Well, well I think so. And I, I think the other thing is that, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of my... Uh, my um, my father's friends, my father didn't work down uh, uh, down the mines, my my grandfather did, but a lot of his friends worked in the mining community in the northeast. Uh, and I saw that enormous change, you know, very, at a very formative year. And, and there were sort of the rights and wrongs of should that have happened. That's not, not, not that important, I don't think. But, but also what I saw is what happened when nothing really came behind. And I saw a lot of role models to me who were... You know, good, hardworking, very honest, decent men never really worked again after that, uh, and that I think left an indelible impression on me. And I started to to form this idea that actually the role of business in local communities, uh, to sustain communities, to drive change, to activate change, is really so critically important. And I think it was really a combination of those things that came together, and steered the sort of work that I wanted to do and how I wanted to think about my own role in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last, you know, 30 years. And so fast forward 2018, you run um, one of Britain's best-known companies, uh, Sky. Um, 
31,000 employees, 13.5 billion in revenue. And if we think of the number of households, 23 million households. So quite something to get one's head around. Something within that over a decade now you've been at the helm, something that you're proud of. I think, I mean, first of all, the business has changed enormously in in multiple fronts. And it's been a great contributor, I think, contributing to the cultural life of uh, Europe now and the UK, of course. Uh, Huge investments we've made that have gone into uh, infrastructure. If I think of all the investments we've made in sport, you know, which flow through to sporting infrastructure, safe stadia, grassroots sport, all of that uh, stuff. Uh, The positions we've taken on things like the environment, where we've taken a stance and had a voice and used our voice to reach 23 million households, something like 120 million people. Um, And then just the jobs we've created, right? We've created opportunity for so many people. And I think that ultimately is, that's where the satisfaction comes from, those sorts of things, I think. So I'd hope now that we're not just a, a big business, but a good business and an important contributor in all of the communities in which we work. And on a very personal level, running a business like Sky, what is the single biggest challenge that you will face on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis? Well, the business has become very, very large now and very broad. So we're, we're doing everything from creating content. We have you know, news reporters in da- dangerous places. We're a big tech company now. Uh, we've got a huge number of software engineers. Um, so we've got, a, you know, we've got people, you know, today as we speak, there'll be somebody up a ladder on a roof. You're probably fitting a satellite dish or connecting a broadband home. Um, so so there's, a, there's a great breadth to the business. So I think a combination of staying across that at the highest level, but also not getting disconnected from the front line. Yeah. Well, on that, you know, you've talked um, openly about the importance of digital skills and, uh, you know, g- keeping ahead and, and so on. So, so on a personal level, how do you keep up to speed? How do you ensure that you're not uh, that one step behind? How, how, how do you do it? Well, I think you've got to be, you've got to do two things, I think. First, first of all, you've got to be a great user of your and other people's products. Um, so one of the nice things about my job is actually watch a lot of TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I kind of, that's a core part of what I, what I, what I do most evenings. And it's important to get across that or, you know, to, not just for what Sky is doing, but what others are doing. So that's, um, uh, you know, that's incredibly uh, important. And then you've got to listen. I mean, one of the great things about a business like Sky is most people will have an opinion on it. So there's an echo about the business. Not always comfortable, but uh, you can you can find a picture, if you like, of how you experience the business, but also how other people experience the business. And really the combination of those two things, I think, uh, is how I get a view uh, of sort of what we're trying to do and then how it's landing. Yeah, and I guess one of the challenges on that is it's easy to tune into who's saying something harder to find out who's not saying something and find out what's on their mind. So any practical thought either internally or externally on how, how you get close to the voices that matter to the business well, th- when they're th- not saying something? I think as, a, as, a, as, any, as any leader, um, but certainly as a, as a senior leader, uh, the, you know, the power of questions. I think too often, you know, you often are, your inclination is to give advice or perhaps to give an opinion. And sometimes people are seeking opinions and advice from you. But I think if you can be disciplined and ask questions uh, and get people to talk through you know, the point that they want to make or the, perhaps the challenge that they're facing, um, that's a much, much more productive way um, to understand yourself and actually help people often get, get to the root of an answer. So I think you know, give, ask questions rather than jump to answers is quite a good, is quite a good tip. I think. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. Anything you've changed your mind about through your questions, through 
opening your mind to that because clearly you have to have often, some... often, and I, you know as the years roll on, you know I remember when you when 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 somebody will will come today with perhaps a, a an initiative, an idea, pretty much I've seen that before now. Uh, and so often your inclination can be to say, well, I sort of know how to do that and that's not right and that's not, you know, that's perhaps not going to work. I, I've learned over the years that increasingly my batting average goes down, um, that actually I don't know now as much as I did in the past. And so frequently my inclination sometimes has been to say, do this. Uh, and, I, and hopefully I've got better at, at suppressing that and just letting people run with what they want to do Normally they're right, and perhaps I wasn't quite so right. <laughs> Excellent. That's an amazing epiphany uh, or realisation to, to have reached. I want to talk a bit um, in more detail about um, a really central campaign to Sky's work, um, which is um, Sky Ocean Rescue, um, particularly about the why and then the how and the what, because it strikes me as we explore it a little bit, and this has reached millions of people, that you've acted in some very different and uh, separate ways, which ultimately join up, but but very different ways of acting in this organisation. But just take us back to the why. Well, the genesis of the why really came, dates back to probably 2006-07. And at the time, there was a core group of us at the top of Sky, all of whom had a young family. And we were debating this whole question of the environment and what we should be doing about it as a company and individuals. And one person in the room, and I can't remember who it was, said, you know, the question you've got to ask yourself is if it all goes wrong and you had a chance to act, what are you going to say to your kids? Uh, and that really struck home, I think, with with uh, all of us and framed it in a very personal way. So from that, we became we were the first com- media company in the world to become carbon neutral. We really put the environment central to a lot of our bigger picture work, which is our broader sort of outreach work. Uh, we created a, an amazing project to save a billion trees in the Amazon rainforest together with our customers. So we're always looking at different ways to focus on the environment and to use our voice uh, and to take an opinion on things that, that we believe matters to try and drive change. And Sky Ocean Rescue and uh, the problem of pollution in the oceans, which is so huge now, particularly plastics and single-use plastics, is really the latest part of that. Uh, it came out of Sky News, who chose to, to, to focus on that, but has then extended into a much broader corporate initiative where we're trying to do our bit, really, and uh, trying to you know walk the, walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And just and give, us a, give us a sense of the techniques you've then used, because clearly you've made some commitments internally. And what's, um, you know, f- for example? So we've committed to eliminate all single-use plastic from our own operations and our supply chain. Uh, and we've made really, really excellent progress at that. And so- you put a timeline on that. That's right. So, so uh, by 2020, we want to be uh, uh, out of that. Pretty much every new product that's, in fact, every new product that's shipped from Sky today will not have single-use plastic in 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 it. Uh, we're now working upstream in our supply chain with our suppliers um, to uh, to help them change. Um, we've changed enormously in the organisation. So, elimination of uh, you know plastic cutlery and cups and bottles. Uh, water bottles have all been changed and eliminated. So we're about already, we're probably about two thirds of the way there. And our job is to complete that um, by uh, by the end of the decade. Okay. Um, as, 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 as a big sort of statement about what we're doing as a, as a business. Yeah. And then in a sense, that's a pillar, I suppose, of Sky Ocean Rescue. Uh, you're also program makers. So how has that then featured in the mix? So, so a combination, really. Sky News themselves have chosen to, 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 to focus on. Uh, 
uh, plastic pollution as a, as, a, as a stream. So they're constantly looking at it from many different angles. But we've also created uh, our own documentaries. So we um, focused on the story of a plastic well, we called it, which was a well that was um, uh, marooned in uh, Scandinavia, was ultimately shot, and, and we... And we looked at what was inside the well, and it was horrific to see that. We've looked at, at, at plastics just through the food chain. Uh, we've looked at plastics uh, on the shoreline. So these are very easy ways that we can shine light on the issue in, in, in sort of the real world, uh, what, what damage it's causing to the environment and to communities, but also the sense of outrage that people have and, and the desire for people to change. And if we think of the big actors in this um, in this piece, um, you know, governments come into this. Is it difficult not to then become political, or is that something you don't shy away from? We're, we're never po- political, um, but but also we, you know, we're not shy in focusing on an issue that that matters, and we think it's significant. We should have an opinion. No, no, they have to be relevant to us and, and what we do. So, I think you know what we're great at. I think is using the power of our voice to highlight you know an issue not take a particular view on it but just to show it for what it is uh, and then hopefully to be part of the change and to use our power as a as an activation force if you like with uh, the broader sky community to help our customers take action. And just that final dimension just I know we've zoomed into ocean rescue I think it's um fascinating example. You're also funding some specific things as well. So what have you been backing and how have you chosen those things? Sure. So we've we set up um, uh, our own fund, Sky Ocean Ventures, and we have put um, twenty five million pounds of our own capital. But we've also partnered with the likes of National Geographic and others to increase the value of that fund, and that's investing in small businesses, ideas that are working on this issue of pollution, uh, uh, particularly in supply chains, because we know that fixing it in supply chains is is where you get a lot of leverage. And you're doing that globally. We're doing that globally, yeah. We've we've made five uh, investments uh, already, many, many more to uh, uh, to come across a whole spectrum of, of different small companies. And, of course, we can give them some money, uh, but also we can give them access to Sky and help them in terms of some of the challenges they've got. As you, as you tell this story, back in, um, going back to 2007, another uh, voice comes into my mind going back several decades before that, and I'm thinking about um, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, mm. founder of Business in the Community, uh, the responsible business network that you now chair. So, you know, very happy to link the two if that's um, mm. if that's um, right. Um, I am keen to know your reflections on your first year in post, but also for that network, you've got some of the largest companies in Britain as members. What's on the agenda? And if you were setting out on a change agenda, um, what do you want to change? So, so it's been an incredible year, actually. I've learned uh, just a huge amount. Um, uh, first of all, I mean, His Royal Highness was he had incredible foresight in many of the issues that the world is dealing with now. He was well ahead of us and has been an, uh, an important agent for change through all of his uh, his work, his, his broader network of charities, and of course, business in the community uh, as a key part of that. Um, the second thing I've learned is that um, the, the network is an incredibly powerful voice. There are some... Uh, a whole mix of companies and individuals involved in that, all who are keen to to to, to drive change, to bring a positive uh, a positive action from their business in terms of their uh, their involvement. So it's a very it can be a very very powerful voice, I think, uh, and convening network, which is really the heart of what the business and the community is all about. 
Uh, we broadly focus on about, about seven areas, if you look at the, the work that BITC does. So it's everything from diversity in the, in the workplace, the three E's, I call them, the environment, education and employment, um, the sense of place and how we can uh, affect local communities, because, of course, so core to BITC. Uh, health and well-being, which is, of course, a very important topic that we're all dealing with. Uh, and then more globally, um, important initiative in the hotel industry, the leisure industry that we've that we're been with for many years, uh, but also implementation of the global goals and how do businesses think about doing that. So so there's a, there's a vast spectrum of work that's typically led by individuals or companies uh, who are part of the network with the organisation enabling that. And who isn't around the table who you want to be around the table if you are to achieve what you need to achieve? Well, I'd love to see more of the tech companies uh, get involved. So we're thinking West Coast of America, be the West Coast of America, or, or indeed you know others. I think that that you know getting more of them involved because they have got such a powerful voice themselves, uh, and could have such I think a, a powerful effect. So that would be great to see. Um, they're, they're they're noticeable, I think. Uh, and then there are other individual large companies who you look at and say, look, come on, you can do you can do more. You know, so it's a it's a, in today's world, it's a constant. Um, uh, I wouldn't say battle, but it's a constant challenge to the organisation to enlist more members. Right. Almost every member that I speak to who's part of the community and part of the network really love being part of it and get a lot of value out of it. So it's, and uh, collaborate with each other. They collaborate with each other, you know, get different perspectives from, from other companies and smaller companies. And so for more people to join in would be great. Right. Well, Jeremy, please stay with us for now. Thank you. Uh, speaking of global companies, uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Dara Curtin. Welcome, Dara. Hello. Now, PwC, 250,000 plus people, 158 countries, 21,000 of you here in the UK across 24 different offices. But I want to be much more personal uh, than that. Thank you for coming on The Lens. Um, first question for you. How did your journey start? <laughs> um, so my first job actually was as a peer tutor, if I could give it that title. Yeah. I don't know if it was that glamorous, but effectively I did my 11 plus, passed my 11 plus. Yep. Um, and there, I was probably the first in my family, first in my school, um, and ended up tutoring lots of friends and family afterwards. And where are you growing up? Where, where in the world? This is in East London, so in, East London, in Essex. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So from there, uh, you went off to, to do some studying, economics. Yes, also. Excellent. Now, Warwick University. Yep. You've got two, economics, uh, two economists <laughs> with me uh, today. And PwC, um, how did it come onto your radar? Why did you want to join? I mean, it's yeah. arguably the top graduate recruiter in the in, in the UK. But why did it appeal, and uh, how did the reality compare once you got in? Yeah, interesting, because I'm also from a working class background. I think from my school and and kind of background that I was coming from, no one knew what PwC was or what they did. Um, so it only really came onto my radar when I started at Warwick University. Um, PwC had a massive presence on campus, and that's when I started to investigate a bit more into the world of consulting and professional services. Yeah, and I should say actually, I've just assumed that. Uh, um, um, that you listening um, know this. I, I think I think many do. But this is you know one of the world's largest professional services networks. It often gets called one of the big four here, doesn't it? Which I guess is in terms of accounting yeah. and audit. Um, when someone down the um, you know in a coffee shop or down the pub says, um, "Dara, just remind us." What does PwC do? How, how, how do you how do you put it into words? It is a lot. So often people have the understanding of the accounting firm, but really I think we just solve problems for businesses. Yeah. And that can be tax, it can be legal, it can be just advice, it can be technology. Um, and really we're shifting a lot the perception of PwC and the type of work that we're involved in. But any problem a company has, PwC can help. Yeah, and... I, and, 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 and 
in the company's words or in the network's words, our purpose is to build trust in society and solve important problems. So I guess, you know, all problems are important to someone, aren't they? But what does that phrase important problems mean mm. to you? How does it strike you? Yeah, I think um, really we do have an aim of some of the stuff that Jeremy was talking about around social and responsible business and doing things that we can be proud of when we look at it afterwards. And um, for me personally, that's been a lot around diversity. So, um, and it kind of does stem in a way from the peer tutoring background. So where I feel like I've made a step or found my way into a certain area that I didn't know about before, how do I help other people have that access? And, and really recognising when I joined PwC, it wasn't as diverse as I had expected or was used to. Um, and how do I shift some of that? So for me, it was about creating greater access, building relationships from the firm and the people um, and helping more people to understand what it is that we do. So that's interesting. So when you're... Um you know, you're in the new role, mm. you're looking around, you're noticing um, the, those difference, those, that lack of diversity. Mm. How do you turn that into action um, in a way that still, you know, fur- if I can put it so br- bluntly, furthers your career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, doesn't doesn't make a bunch of, uh, you know, enemies early on. How, how did you do it? Because yeah. you, 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 you've, you've done some incredible things. Yeah, so um, I guess when I was starting, it wasn't thinking about furthering my career as such. It was because of passion and wanting to do something that I felt was important and solving a problem. Um, so very much it was... I started a diversity mentoring scheme at PwC um, and the the initial seeds of it were literally 15 mentees that we matched with 15 people at PwC and gave advice about employability and so on. And did you have to run that past someone? Did you just say, I'm just doing this? (laughs) What did did you learn about getting it going? Some of the luxury of working in a partnership in the sense that there's no real boss. (laughs) I shouldn't say that for some people, (laughs) but you just have to get one person bought in and then you can kind of get on with it. So So there's a very... to progress. As long as people see the value in it um, and you get buy-in from someone they're supporting, you've got a sponsor behind you I think you can you can very much be a bit of an entrepreneur um, and so make things happen just if you see a, a space So you talked about the seed of that started with 15 mm. how, how did that evolve? Yeah so now we have 200 people mentored across the UK actually which is really exciting um, and I think part of that is also starting to shift not just from university students that we support but also in schools mm. school leaver programmes that we run and trying to reach back earlier and earlier to shift people's perceptions of professional careers And in those relationships what do you think the mentor gets from it more than anything? Lots. Um, so I've been a mentor for, for many years. I think I keep very closely connected. I think there's a great... The speed of change that's happening in the world is that there's a great value in just understanding what the younger generation, even though I still see myself as young, are doing, are thinking, are interacting with. And the value for the for PwC and having that connection is massive. Mm. Um, I'm constantly learning in that perspective. Um, having different views as well, I think, is really massive. Mm. Um, so it's always great just to hear from different people that you're not always working with. So here's an on-the-spot moment for you, Dara. What is an example of something that you wouldn't have got your head around if it wasn't for one of those mentoring relationships or conversations, just mm. an example of something that it's opened your mind or your eyes to. Yeah, so um, a lot of the, sh- the, the students that I'm working with are now are very much in a side hustle world. So, yes, you. when I was growing up, it was very much like, get my degree, start a corporate career, and I've made it. Um, no one's really satisfied with that anymore. It's more about how, what other things have I got going on. And so that's becoming more and more the norm. Uh, 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 and that could be a business yeah, venture, exactly. a money spinner. Yeah, a social a... enterprise. It could be so many things, mm. charities that you're setting up, um, give back projects. But everyone very much has that. And I think I've, I've learned a lot about the startup world through the mentors that, mentees that I have. Well, two questions. Firstly, how is that regarded by employers? Um, if I could ask you to generalise, yeah, how, yeah. how's it seen? 
Well, obviously, it's hugely valuable. And PwC is also recognising the value of connecting that ecosystem of business, of social enterprises, of communities, um, and that shaping then how we might advise our clients. So a lot of the investments we're making are also in that space. And so you'd say it's actively encouraged. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And of course, I've got to ask you, um, if you're able to talk about your own side hustles, you might not mm-hmm. prefer to on the lens, but if I can be so yeah, bold. happy to. Um, so again, a lot of it is linked to diversity. I mentioned the diversity mentoring scheme within PwC. I also founded a organisation called UK Black Tech which was really focused on how do we drive BAME diversity in the tech sector um, and that's been going from strength to strength and now we've built a partnership with PwC and UK Black Tech which is fun to see your side hustle and your day job come together um, but a lot of it is around how do we connect communities and, and organisations together. On UK Black Tech mm. how did you make the decision to begin something when clearly there are you know other initiatives in existence mm. which could have been supported or joined. And, yeah, and there sure. is a different energy to starting something. And For I just sure. wonder how you made that decision yeah, and yeah, yeah. any reflection. Um, and a lot of it did start from my own personal journey again. Um, I started off feeling that tech was for geeks and not anything I needed to engage with. Um, and it wouldn't it wouldn't affect me. And obviously, we all realise that's very wrong and it's affecting everyone regardless of what job you have. Um, so I suddenly felt like, oh God, I need to make sure I am upskilling myself. And so that exploration really helped me to build meet up with some of the, the co-founders of UK Black Tech and start to drive that forward. So it's recognising my own personal gap, really. Now, very briefly, Dara, I wanted to ask you about, because initially you're working across a number of different clients, and now mm. I almost see you as you know an entrepreneur mm. within PwC yep. with the UK Experience yeah. Centre. So if I could ask you to put that That's been in really a nutshell. What, what, what is it? Sure. So since February, um, I changed role. So I was previously working with lots of clients and giving them advice. Um, the typical consultant um, rhetoric of going in, telling them something to do, and then <laughs> running away. Um, but actually, what we're doing at the moment is quite an interesting thing, because I'm building a business within PwC um, and that's really fun. So the Experience Centre is all around how do we design and build customer experiences for our clients. Um, So kind of like a design agency within PwC and connecting up that understanding of customers, experiences, the human with the technology consulting that we have and the business consulting that we have and bringing them together to solve real problems and make real impact for people. Really interesting. So uh, you're not allowed to say Sky, but who would be? Mm. Who would you love? Who would you love to work with? Yes, uh, and it doesn't have to be a, yeah, a company. Yeah. Of course, it could and, be any and, sector. And let's talk sectors because I think there's there's so much that can be done. Um, I mean, in the health sector, it's, you can all think about patient experience. How do we improve that? I think that would be a massive impact for the world, and and definitely here in the UK. Um, so, what can digital products do, and how can customer experience or the patient experience be improved in that respect? Even like we talked about the com- the community you into work how do you make that um, much more smooth and how and how do you ex- actually enjoy that mm, time and make it productive time exactly um, so there's many many things that I'd, I'd love to do I think um, looking into that kind of day-to-day experience of the general citizen would be kind of work I'd love to do okay and if we spin this forward a bit when you you know hear us talking and when you speak to chief execs uh, to what extent is that a path you aspire to mm. or do you think your path may be a little different um Interesting. So, I mean, I, I, I'm love love to ask Jeremy more about this because I think that for me, there's a very mixed, a big mixture of values and aspirations. And and one of my advice, I guess, to myself, um, and I've kind of developed more recently, is not so much the goal or the milestone, but more about the values that drive me. Um, so, I definitely have a, an aspiration around leadership, whether that's a CEO, chief exec, or a partner at PwC, is undefined yet. But I'm always trying to find ways of building something, getting other people around me and driving something forward so yeah that's kind of where I see myself 
Excellent. Well, um, I wonder if there are many side hustlers within Sky, Jeremy. Is this something you're aware of? Is this something you... There's loads of things in Sky that I'm sure I'm not aware of. I mean, (laughs) you know, there is initiatives going on the whole place. And I think... Yeah, actually, it's it's just it's just great hearing you talk. You know, part of a business is to enable that passion and talent. Part of my job is to enable that passion and talent, not to constrain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also not to build an organisation that's rigid. You know, the organisation needs to be flexible. Uh, and and so we we make a lot of investments in small companies. We typically put um, many of our um, employees, a lot of our young employees, will will sit on the boards, or those businesses will be integrated with those businesses, trying to help them. And it's amazing where ideas come from, right? So that network is 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 important. And I think to shut off some of those passions ultimately would be self defeating, right? I, th- I thought it was very interesting just the, the question you asked there about about sort of role inspiring to be a CEO because uh, you, you know to me. Um, what you want to do is try and put yourself in the flow. You know, imagine a stream. You know, are you, you know, if you drop a, 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 a twig in a stream and you're in the flow, it'll race away. You know, if you want to go across the stream, that's quite hard. So much more, I think, is, is, is better. I always encourage people to, to, to work in areas or businesses that they're really passionate about. Because if you can combine that with your daily life, there's much more likely you're going to be successful. And wherever you get to, you know, you know, much much better to do a job you really enjoy uh, with a with a with a in a business that you're passionate about okay. than to focus on a level. I think. Okay, so let me put the other school of thought to you both then, which is to say that in this world there are too many stagnant ponds, and sometimes what we need are uh, leaders to engage in that non-flowing, non-fast-flowing uh, water, even though it might not uh, make their make their heart sink because c- c- it's tough. I mean, have you got time for that perspective? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there are times when, um, you know, you have to go against the flow, right? But, but you know, they've got to be, I think, more the exception because if you, if you just work and wake them every day to do that, you know, you know ultimately that's going to grind you down, I think. So it, I'm not saying there's not times where you have to take a stance or you have to say we just have to tough it out here now. Uh, and, and success over a career is running the business through the tough times as well as the good times. And I guess there must be situations, Dara, when your fresh perspective is, of course, hugely valuable and yet... It may cross your mind, crikey, am I yet qualified to, to make this observation? How, how, have you, how have you dealt with that? Um, no, I think, so, I don't know, it must, must be my personality, but just bringing it to the table regardless, it's always been appreciated, and I think it's actually helped me in most places when I've just said what I think is on my mind, um, because a lot of the times it's that perspective that's not being heard, and especially as a black woman within the workplace, I feel extra responsibility to make sure that my voice is being heard and there's clear representation. And... Does any example come to mind of when you have had to go out on a limb and although it might have felt a bit uncomfortable, actually, now you reflect it was worth it? Mm, Definitely. I mean, uh, (laughs) throughout my career, um, sometimes just sending emails to very senior people and saying, I'm not particularly happy with how this is working. I've got a better idea. Um, And it's actually worked out and people have listened to that. So Whether or not you had an existing relationship with them sometimes. Exactly, yeah. Um, So just putting yourself out there, taking a few risks, because I think people are looking, don't have all the answers. um, And especially in this world, things are changing so quickly. They're open to ideas all the time. So, Jeremy, if I may, one practical tip from you, Chief Executive, will often say, my door is always open. Well, what is something you've learned about how to become truly accessible as a leader to enable that flow of ideas and exchange of, um, you know, uh, uh, views? Well, I think, look, first and foremost, I think a sort of mindset, accessibility is is, is, is my problem, right? It's not, it's not, you know, it's the idea my door's always open. I mean, yeah, okay, I'm going to walk through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, so you've got to want to pull people in. 
you know, you've actually want to go to people, you want to ask them, make it easy. Except that when people get things wrong, it's okay. It's not a problem, you know. As long as we're learning from those experiences, that that's fine. I mean, just hearing Dara speak, you know, the idea that, you know, a culture and an environment and a person who will say what they think, that is gold dust if you're doing my job. Mm-hmm. Because if people, you know, there's too many people who tell me what they think I want to hear. Mm. I want to hear what they think. And right? speaking of truth to power. Correct. And, you know, I can choose to reflect on that, act on that, you know, challenge that. But, you know, what I want to know is what do people really think? Now, Dara, I wonder if you've got any questions that you wanted to ask Jeremy. Mm, Yes, lots. Um, I wanted to... Actually, you touched on it very briefly, um, but the point on well-being, especially for senior people, and how do you manage that for yourself personally, but also for your employees at Sky? It's so... You know, I think it's so important. I... um, so I focus a lot on it for myself. So I think a lot about, you know, my physical well-being, um, uh, my diet. You know, um, I, I restrict the number of times I'll go out. So, you know, I could be out pretty much every day of the week on the corporate function. I really try and hold that to a, to a minimum. Uh, and I get, you know, I get a lot of downtime. You know, I, I mean, I would leave the office on 5.30, 6 o'clock. I mean, I don't, you know, and I think it's important, you know, work hard. Uh, to do that, and I want to get back to spend time with my family uh, and get regular breaks. Um, and I think, I think you know, the, the sort of big thought is if we're all going to work longer at a more intense pace, uh, we're all more connected, so we're more, more sort of into the business the whole time. You know, you've got to have a different mindset, I think, if you're going to stay the, stay, stay the course. Uh, and one of the things that fascinates me a little bit is I think if you look at a lot of work, walks of life, you look at companies, individuals, teams... Um, the ones that are you know, the, the really the best ones combine sort of success with, with longevity. They're able to be successful over a long period of time. Um, you know, if we took, I don't know, Alex Ferguson as a, you know, in, in sport, people would will talk about how successful he was, but he was successful for 13 years. And so I think you've got to think a lot about what's the environment that you put around yourself if you're going to sustain that sort of pace for a long period of time. And I think it's equally true of employees. You know, people work very, very hard at Sky. Um, and it's important that they take care of themselves. And, you know, the idea that they would be um, not doing that, you know, and, and, and perhaps get unwell, I mean, that would be a terrible thing. So, so it's important that we encourage that amongst everybody and put practical programs in place to help. And I guess just ca- carrying on from there, in the world of uncertainty and unknown, um, how do you manage that kind of stress as well? Because I think the perception is very much as you're getting into those senior positions, there's more and more pressure, more expectation to work harder, and you're almost your own your own worst critic as well. Yeah. So how do you manage that and be resilient to that as yeah. well? I think one thing is being, is being um, quite present about it. I mean, there have been moments, you know, in Sky which the stress has been really, really intense, you know, and it just is what it is, right? At the end of the day, there's only one CEO, there's no glass ceiling. So I think the first thing is just a little bit accepting it for what it what it is, not trying to push it away. Um, I think then um, just really trying in those moments to keep clarity of sort of thought. Um, so if we have a big moment in Sky, perhaps a big sports renewal, um, you know, I'll, I'll make sure my diary's pretty much clear and have a lot of downtime because I don't want to... There's a lot of things I can take out of my diary and out of my life to enable me to, to really focus on the, on the big things. So those are the sort of tips and, and techniques I've, I've, I've learned uh, uh, over time. Uh, and then the final thing I'd say is, is really try to focus on, on sleep, I mean, rest and recovery. You know, getting a good night's sleep. It's amazing how, you know, a problem at, uh, you know, the day before... 
if you if you get eight hours sleep, suddenly seems a lot more manageable when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. This is what I found. Right, and and caution, listeners. You know, binging on the lens. You know, you really have to, you know, do this <laughs> in moderation. Jeremy, um, a, a, a question uh, um, for Dara. I wondered what was the 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 best day at work you've had so far. Hmm. Um. Wow. So, I so of recent. One was when we launched the Experience Centre. Um, that was in September. We officially launched and we had like a whole welcome day, which was super exciting because just, you know, when you're building something for so long and then actually seeing your baby come to life in a sense um, and actually being able to get other people's reflections on that product as well that you're creating and then the new space that we have in in London Bridge office as well. That was one from a work perspective. This I have a second one. Yeah, good, great. Um, was, so for the Diversity Mentoring Scheme, Every year we have an opening and a closing event. In our third year, when we really went to the big numbers, we had a big closing event up at the top of our um, building in London Bridge. And it was just seeing all these young students from really different backgrounds standing at the top of the building and just imagining their future corporate career um, in their suits and taking selfies and so on. The amount of pride that I felt in that moment just to be able to give them a a visualisation of what they could achieve um, was, was awesome. That's fantastic. You know, it's funny if, if if I'd answered the question, I would have had a different example, but I would have I would have said similar sort of things. This sort of sense of achievement and doing things is it's one of the great things about business, right? Well, it's going to be on my mind now, Jeremy. If I don't ask you, I'm going to ask you to pick a day. Uh, I think when we brought the skies together, uh, it was it was a sort of you know personal sort of mission for me to do that. It was quite hard to do, and then suddenly we'd taken you know the business that I you know continue to love in the UK and Ireland, and we'd taken it into mainland Europe, into Germany, into Austria, Switzerland, Italy. It's across seven countries. Seven countries now, and you know I found brilliant people in in all those organisations who were very similar, uh, who wanted to achieve things, and suddenly just the whole horizon of the business had been reset, and it was just brilliant. You know I could sense what was going to happen. Now, on this, I'm going to give you both this imaginary scenario, and it goes back to Dara's uh, best day. You bump into somebody on their first day at PwC and at Sky, and you give them one practical piece of advice for thriving, being well and successful within the organisation. It's got to be practical. It can't be too philosophical for this one. Okay, Dara, practical advice. Um, So my motto would be stand out rather than fit in. Um, I think for me personally, it took me a while to realise that rather than trying to fit norms and be like everyone else, the real value is when you do things differently. Um, so trying to find you, what's your lane, what's your space and stay in that um, and make it make it known to others as well. Excellent. Great advice. Jeremy. Uh, be yourself. I mean, 100%. You know, we've hired you, you've joined here for who you are. Uh, and your strength will be the the, you know, the difference that you bring to the organisation. And then the second thing I always say to people is to say, you know, take a bit of time. Often when people go into new situations, because they feel the need to contribute, they want to do things straight away. And I always say to them, just, just learn the business, meet your colleagues, you know, spend time doing that, and then it'll all flow from there. So this is, this is good advice. I can hear uh, a listener in my head wondering um, and saying... Um, Yes, be yourself, and people evolve, people change, uh, identities uh, blossom, hopefully. Um, So how to tread that line, to take some risks with ideas about who you are, to discover yourself within an organisation, because um, any conflict there, how do you advise us through that? Um, I think there's a 
so it's it's interesting. I think, yeah, you see your own personal values, what's important to you changing over time. Um, but being true to that um, and remembering what they are, constantly reflecting on those. At the same time, I think there is a recognition that you need to understand the organisation's values, what's the currency of your company and how you can be successful in that world as well. So trying to marry those two things. And you must have seen this, Jeremy, people stay with the organisation across many years. So, so, so advice about how, how, to, how to flourish and potentially change, I suppose. Well, I think, I mean, first and foremost, stay open to new possibilities. You know, just open, you know, your mind up to that. And, and when somebody comes with, with, with a change or a different way of doing things or perhaps a different role, you know, often people will, will the reaction often is to close down and say, stay open to that and just explore it for a bit. And then I, I often say to people is there's, there's so much... Um, yeah, so much analysis of skills, what we're good at, what we're good at, all that sort of stuff today. And so, I mean, so enabled now with um, with digital worlds. Um, in all of that, I often say to people, you, you know, you're great at some things, you know, and, and really stay focused on those because that's where you're at your best. You've probably got one or two things that might hold you back, get in the way of you or perhaps other people's performance. You've got to take care of those and, and work hard and fix those. A lot of the stuff in the middle, you know, it's important to improve and all that stuff. But, you know, don't don't sweat the small stuff. You know, sweat the big stuff. Right. Now, I have a small number of questions which I ask all of our guests on the lens. And it's time uh, just to, to, to rattle through those. I can... Um, I always want to know who people want to meet. If you could have a coffee with anyone, if you could sit down with anyone, my only condition being they have to still be alive, uh, either because they interest you, they inspire you, or you just want to meet them. Dara, mm, who would you uh, meet? <laughs> I, I rattled through my head on this one. I think I would love to meet Serena Williams, mm. um, mainly just... Obviously, she's a legend, living legend. I don't know that she always gets the recognition in today, but I'm sure when we look back at all of her achievements, it's going to be incredible. And just how she goes from one one championship to the next to the next and continues mentally in that in that mind frame. And so many of our themes about stamina, about voice, uh, come come back to me when you give that amazing example. Jeremy, who would you meet? Well, who would I meet? Um, I think I would like to meet uh, Tiger Woods. Um, I think he's been, you know, an incredible uh, role model, good and bad. Uh, I think he's been almost a unique person uh, in, and will be seen as a unique person in history and, and how he has affected uh, his sport. Uh, and he has been this incredible uh, mixture of sort of success and, and, then, and then challenge. And I would just like to sit down and, 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 just, and just chat to him and understand that. He's quite a private person, I think, so... That's who I'd pick. Yeah, no, great choice. Um, next question, Dara, a book that you recommend. D- Jeremy Darrick will no doubt try and bend the question to include uh, some audiovisual entertainment, so I am prepared for this. Uh, Dara, uh, um, a yeah. book or something else? <laughs> a book. Um, I'm recently just finished reading a book called The Good Immigrant. 100% recommend it. Um, it's so interesting. It's about um, 21 authors who are all from ethnic minority backgrounds in the UK, and they're perspectives, um, experiences and just things that even myself, I feel like I'm a very globally aware person, but just the things that you ignore and forget on a day-to-day basis. And we're going to link to this in our sort of lens notes so people can um, go go and see your choices. Jeremy, your choice. I've given you some leeway. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, business-wise, during the course of my career, I've gone back to one particular article or essay that was written by Peter Drucker in, I think, the early, the early 80s. And it was given to me at the start of my career. It's called Management and the World's Work. 
But you can probably replace the word management for leadership today. We tend to talk a bit more about leadership, a little bit less by management. And it's just a fascinating read. But at the end of it, it goes through seven or eight principles of what makes good managers or perhaps good leaders. And, you know, they are as relevant today as they were then. So, And it's a very easy read. It's called Management and the World's Work. It's so interesting to me that there's such a lot of conversation around how everything is changing. And yet it's so clear to me through choices like this that some things stay the same. You know, in terms of some of those principles, they're very interesting. And there's some great shows in Sky Atlantic, by the way. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, one piece of advice, and we're going into our final uh, conversation. I'm going to take you back, perhaps, um, you could say to the start of your career, you might choose to go back to being economic students, but one piece of advice to your former self uh, that you know would have stood you in great stead, mm. either because you know you've followed it or because you wish you'd followed yeah, it. Yeah, I wish I knew. Um, I, and I did kind of touch on this, but I think the point around values over God goals um, because I very much was a milestone person when I was planning my future as a, as a young person and it was all about at this age I want to be married and this age I must have a house at this age I must have this level of seniority and this salary um, but actually going stripping all of that away and working out what's important to you and I think that would have helped me a lot. And, and, is, and is the thing with certain values that you end up with some words and I'm absolutely not belittling it as a thought which everybody around you will agree with or are there certain values which you have chosen for yourself which yeah. you know aren't common to your and peers? I think there are certain things that we all agree with but it's prioritising those values I think is what makes a difference so if I'm choosing money over time which one's going to be more important and then being able to make decisions based on that. Right and I hope you don't mind me asking what do you prize mm. uh, having reflected on that? Yeah time is massive so from the beginning of this year I changed to a four day working week um, which has been really interesting not because of childcare or anything like that but just actually wanting to have more control over my life and having flexibility and how I use my time so I think it's really important to think about those things and what's important important to you. Great, thank you. Uh, Jeremy, a piece of advice. I think I'd say sort of two things. I think, first of all, heart as well as head. You know, this idea of combining both of those things, your intuition uh, and your sort of emotional sense and response to situations, as well as, as logic. You know, life doesn't exist in, in a PowerPoint presentation, despite what you know, the modern-day world might tell you. Um, that would be the first thing. And then I think, um, you, you know, use the opportunity for a greater good and decide whatever that greater good uh, is, a bit like Tara said about values, but use it for something bigger and better. Uh, I, I think my sense is when all's sort of said and done and when I look back, hopefully a long time in the future, on my own career, it'll be those things that I'll remember and I'll value the most. Yeah. And on that point about heart and head, I mean, I think famously misattributed uh, to Einstein was the line, um, not everything that counts can be counted, not everything that can be counted counts. If you have something that you feel is important and yet at that point you can't show the research, you can't show the data, but your intuition uh, speaks to you, what's, what's a practical tip on how to make that case to, in your case, some very powerful stakeholders? Because you are driven in that sense by your yeah, gut. Yeah, look, I mean, first of all, you know, don't, you know, test it. I mean, talk to people about it, test it, get people whose who's advice and experience you trust and, and, and get their reaction to it. Do they, do they, you know, see it, believe it, think you're authentic about it, all that sort of stuff. But then, you know, the case has to be made. And there are just moments where you just have to say, you know, this is what I believe in. Uh, and you have to you know, stand up and be counted for those things. And uh, I've always found that when you do that and, and you make that case with passion, um, then, no, then normally you'll succeed. Right. On that, a final question um, for you both or just, just, just for our final uh, few minutes. Um, you have been responsible for some extremely 
inspiring campaigns and movements. And we're all too often in rooms where um, everyone will say, well, gosh, how inspiring this is. And yet action does not follow. So what are your practical tips for turning inspiration into action? So actually walking the talk. Because on so many of the agendas we've talked about today, you've shown how you've done it in practice. So, so how, how, how do we translate those good feelings and thoughts into actions and, and results? Um, yeah, I think start small and just demonstrate what you're talking about. Um, a lot of the time people spend a, a loads of time analysing a problem um, rather than just getting getting on and doing something about it. And you might try it and it might be rubbish and then start again and try something else. But if you are really passionate about it, literally just do it and do it small and then prove it, test it, get feedback and do something else. I love it. Jeremy? We're in danger of violently agreeing. We, uh, many years ago, a guy I worked for said to me, Jeremy, man never solved a complex problem in his life. What he did is he broke it down into a series of small steps and he started knocking them over. And I think sometimes when we talk about inspiration, you know, we come up with big things. You, you know, a lot of the, the work we do, you know, these are big problems, right? big questions. But actually, they ultimately are just the summation of a set of small actions. So how do you climb a mountain? One step at a time. Mm-hmm. And just breaking that down. Now, I don't want to end on a sort of, uh, you know, explosive, provocative note. However, <laughs> one of the reasons we have created the lens is to bring people across generations, forgive me, Jeremy, uh, together. And I have begun to wonder if there is any difference, frankly, uh, between the generations that we see in our major organisations or whether actually people have always wanted to make a difference. People have always wanted uh, to do the right thing, to have a purpose. Um, so I just wonder if you've noticed in your own organisations things that you feel, frankly, do set the 20-somethings apart from the 40 and 50-somethings. I think on the big stuff, no. You know, I, you, you, it seems to be one of the great challenges we have in society is our own time on Earth is relatively small in the context of the history of the, the planet and the big change that goes on around us. And, and part of it is sort of reconciling yourself uh, with that. So I think I've learned that, that, that for most people, whether they're young or old, you know, and the big stuff, values, you know, the future, broadly, the sort of what and the importance of the what is, is often quite similar. Uh, I think the how often is quite different. You know, so how Dora might approach a, a problem or a challenge or an opportunity and I might do it, you know, is pro- it will probably be a little bit different. But broadly, I suspect we'll be in, in roughly the same, the same area. Um, and so, um, you know, if, if we can combine a, a bit of Dara's how and a bit of my experience, we might end up in a slightly better place. Mm. I think there's so much value in bringing different perspectives together from the generations because I do think there are different just viewpoints or, or approaches to solving problems. And one of the things that I'm doing at PwC right now is uh, leading our digital fitness programme, so how we're upskilling people. And you do see a difference in adoption of digital tools, um, just mindset and so how do you get people um, reverse mentoring others and actually sharing knowledge sharing ways of thinking about things so that you can help and support each other i like it reverse mentoring jeremy a mentor in their 20s mentoring you has it happened could it happen i've got a lot of people at sky give me uh you know a lot of feedback and opinions and 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 i sort of do i mentor some people directly um but i also speak try and speak to a you know big network of of people and try and help them and uh, it's always a two-way flow um, I can learn some things from my own peer group. Uh, I can learn a hell of a lot more from people like Dara. Excellent. Well, I'm very happy we have brought you together. So thank you for joining us on The Lens. Dara Curtin, Jeremy Derrick, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was The Lens, hosted by me, Ollie Barrett. 
If you like what you heard, leave us a review and subscribe in iTunes and you'll get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. The Lens is a business and the community programme supported by Fujitsu. Today's episode is produced and directed by Harvey Winter. Music and editing by Adam Smythe. Our executive producer is Sergio Lopez. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.